In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge, to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and sin. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From my birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. I have become a sign to many. You are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. Do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. For my enemies will speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire together. They say, God has forsaken him. Pursue him and seize him, for no one will rescue him. Do not be far from me, my God. Come quickly, God, to help me. May my accusers perish in shame. May those who want to harm me be covered with scorn and dismay. As for me, I shall always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long, though I know not how to relate them all. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Your righteousness, God, reaches to the heavens. You who have done great things, who is like you, God? Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will bring again, you will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once more. I will praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, my God. I will sing to you on, with the lyre, Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you. I, whom you have delivered, my tongue will tell of your righteous acts all day long, for those who wanted to harm me have been put to shame and confusion. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you for your word, which is a lamp to our feet and a guide to our path. May we allow your word to shape our priorities, our commitments, our ethics and our values the things we give our focus and energy to, in Jesus' name. Amen. just want to say, uh, as a pastor out there in a parish, how much I value our partnership with uh, Ridley College. And it operates at four levels. The first is the Ridley Certificate. We've been running the Ridley Certificate now for the last three years, each semester, since it's gone into an online and DVD format. And uh, recently, one of the young 16-year-old guys in the youth ministry who's got a, a wonderful faith said to me, Dave, when's the Ridley certificate starting? And I said, next Monday night. And he said, I can't wait. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's what you love to hear when you're in a parish. I think, too, uh, we've had, uh, in my five years, uh, major placements with the Anglican Institute candidates and the three that our parish has hosted and are hosting at this particular time have just been a really wonderful blessing 
to our parishes. We're very, very committed to leadership development. I'm certainly very, very committed to leadership development. And my commitment to you, if you do end up coming and doing a major placement with us, male or female, both are welcome to apply. Uh, I can only promise you I will seek to be really diligent in that particular task. I think the third thing for me is that my uh, children's and families pastor is currently studying here online. And she preached last Sunday across the three services. And it's just been wonderful to watch her development. Uh, not just her presentation skills, which are really growing, but you can tell the theological depth that is getting into her sermons. And that has come because she is studying here online and hopefully one day perhaps full time. My suspicion is she has a vocation and one of my other colleagues thinks likewise. I think finally it's the professional development opportunities. In the system now, as a vicar of a church, I'm required to do an annual ministry plan and to do 12 points worth of professional development. And when I looked through what I had to do, I'm the archdeacon, so I've got to go make sure other people do it, so I thought I'd better get on my, on my bike and do my own, that I was planning what I would do this year. And there's various criterion. And as I looked what I'd done in recent years and then what was there, I thought, gee, I'm a bit thin on the ground in theology. So um, I'll be signing up for the theology conference on Luther as pastor in May. And... Um, I'm going to commit myself and I'm going to put this out there publicly to reading Mike Bird's Evangelical Theology 2, <laughs> which is sitting there in my office as the next book I'm going to have a go at when I finish the current book I'm doing on the uh, task of Bible translation um, because the work of uh, Wycliffe is something that we support uh, very, very deeply. I've titled this morning's message Declaring God's Power to the Next Generation. The Psalms have been studied, as you know, by many scholars. And this particular Psalm has been categorised by many, particularly Herman Gunkel and others, as a Psalm of individual lament or complaint. I'd have to say in my own spiritual disciplines over many, many, many years, there would rarely be a day when I do not reflect on a Psalm. Psalm 71 has expressions of pain and distress, as we have seen. But for me, as someone committed to evangelism in particular, and to young people in particular, this psalm has been a regular place of affirmation, as we will soon see, for it has kept me prioritised in a particular manner over the past 30 years. I'd have to say this psalm has been for me and for many others an encouragement to stay the distance until I get old, if that is what transpires. To run the race of discipleship until there is one last breath in the body. To be able to say with Paul, as my life concludes, that I have fought the good fight, that I have finished the race, that I have kept the faith. Verses 9 to 13 indicate a godly man who has been under attack from his enemies. Verse 9, do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. For my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire together. They say God has forsaken him. Pursue him and seize him. For no one will rescue him. Do not be far from me, my God. Come quickly. 
God, to help me. For my accusers perish in shame. May those who want to harm me be covered with scorn and disgrace. Psalm 71 is not titled, although many suggest it is from the hand of an ageing King David. Verses 22 and verses 23 could suggest this. I will praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, my God. I will sing praise to you with the lyre, Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you, I whom you have delivered. Now anyone who is familiar with the life of David before attaining the kinship and while as king will know that he was delivered from many a trouble, both of his own making and that of others. We also know he was a fine musician and songwriter. But on the other hand, I'm sure many others played the harp and lyre in ancient Israel, apart from David. I'm sure God delivered many others from their troubles as well. The authorship of this psalm is not my main concern this morning. I suggest you go to the Old Testament department of this college for that conversation. But the author of this psalm is certainly an old man. Verse 9, do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. Even when I am old and grey, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. And I want to focus on that verse, that verse 18, as we move into this message. The psalm commences with the following words in verse 1. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to which I always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. We hear the cry of a besieged servant of God, the classic introduction to a psalm of lament or complaint. Yet despite personal distress, this is a cry of faith to Yahweh. The psalmist continues in verse 5, reflecting on his own faith. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. I have become a sign to many. You are my strong refuge. Verses 5 and 6 articulate one of the major motifs in the Bible concerning the theme of youth. And anybody who knows me knows that has been a major focus of my life. The old man now is reflecting on a long life of faith in God. And while the world of being a youth in the ancient world and what it looked like and what youth looks like today poles apart, I would suggest, culturally, there is a principle here I want to focus on. God has been his confidence since his youth. Faith has got, in God has been there as long as he can remember from his mother's womb since his birth. The time of one's youth, as we know, is important in terms of faith development, learning to trust God, 
learning to put God at the centre of one's life. I'm seeing my own two children, a youth worker in my own home, wrestling with those issues as they mature and grow. Thank God, still part of Christ's church. Thank God they still own their faith publicly before others. It's a time to develop godly patterns of behaviour, the attaining of a godly character, the development of spiritual disciplines that can hold you in good stead for the rest of your life. It's a reminder of importance of sowing God's word early into a person's life and allowing that word to shape them. That the overwhelming majority of people respond to the gospel when they are young. We know that statistically. We know it in terms of testimony. And even when people come to God later in life, and I've heard those sorts of testimonies, you can bet your bottom dollar that there's been an investment in that person somewhere along the line. There's been a godly grandmother interceding for him. A Bible may have been given to him when he was young or a cross and it's sort of been kept away in the bottom drawer. And then bang, the spirit brings them through to faith in him. My strategy as an evangelist over the past 30 years has been to focus mainly on ministry to children, teenagers and young adults for that particular reason. And then deeply committed to training and developing those who could do the same. That process of multiplication which I have been committed to for the last 20 years. In my own setting in Greensboro, families with children, teens and young adults are a significant part of our demography. And as a consequence, we have put significant energy, effort and resources into that particular area. We are seeing some very good fruit. I would suggest that some of them will turn up here in the next five to ten years to sign up for an MDiv and to train for a life of vocational ministry in either a parachurch, overseas mission or local church leadership roles. The psalmist is a proclaimer of God's truth as we see there in verse 15 to 18. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long. Though I know not how to relate to them all, I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, Sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvellous deeds. Even when I am old and grey, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. As I've reflected upon this psalm, I've asked the question, what aspects of God's power did the psalmist declare to the generation he was a part of as one under the old covenant? Perhaps he proclaimed God's power in creating the world and God's ongoing creativity and activity in the cosmos. The creative power of God we see in Genesis 1 and 2, a major theme in the psalms. Or was it God's power and his mighty deliverance of his people from Egyptian slavery as a major point and motif that again is reflected on mostly by the prophets and the psalmists looking back? Or is it God's power to deliver his servants in times of trouble as this psalm is an example of? 
Or was it God's power over the idols and gods of the surrounding culture, as we see in Elijah's victory over the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel in 1 Kings 18? Or was it God's power to judge his people with the summoning of Babylon to invade Judah and Jerusalem and take God's people into exile, as we see in Jeremiah? But what about us? Those of us on the other side of the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. What aspects of God's power are you and I to declare to the next generation? And while I think all that has been mentioned is still relevant, let me suggest the following. We are to declare the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to save and transform a sinful individual and a sinful humanity. That God's power is made manifest in weakness and suffering upon a brutal Roman cross. That forgiveness, liberation and new life is found in Christ's atoning death. The power of his resurrection and the gift of his spirit. We are declared the power of the Holy Spirit who is present and available to fill and to refresh us daily. To give us the power individually and collectively to live this costly servant-orientated life of discipleship modelled on Jesus Christ as we see it in the Gospels. The power to live a countercultural lifestyle to the main frame of the current culture that we are a part. So friends, as I conclude, may we continue diligently in our work of preparation here at Ridley for the task of proclaiming God's power to the next generation and to ensure we run the race with perseverance and longevity and that we finish well. Friends, there's a lot of people ain't finishing real well out there. Even colleagues I went through this place with, no more. So friends, it's a challenge, but it's doable. It's doable under the grace and mercy of God. It's doable through the accountability of being part of a church where your brothers and sisters watch over you, are prepared to keep you accountable, prepared to ask you the hard question, prepared to love and care for you. The writer of Psalm 71 concludes his song with these words. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you, for you have delivered me. My tongue will tell of your righteous acts all day long. For those who wanted to harm me have been put to shame and confusion. Jesus promises something similar to his disciples and to us. As we, like the psalmist, face the challenges and tests that inevitably come on the road of life and in particular the road of Christian discipleship and that promise was given and still remains to this very day a promise that we can all claim by faith for surely I am with you always to the very end of the age Amen let me pray loving God we thank you that you have given us a mission and a task to proclaim your power to the next generation and grant us the grace to do that effectively, to prepare well for it and to commit ourselves to a lifetime to it in whatever shape, way or form you lead us, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Hello everyone, uh, my name is Conrad. 
come here to lead us uh, in a time of prayer.